Hi there, and welcome to Scale. I'm your host, Stuart Ritchie, the founder and lead developer at Powered by Coffee. Powered by Coffee is a web and software development agency focused on helping media brands with open source and um, solving general technology problems as they, as they come up. Scale is a podcast about the media and how technology impacts media and how media is in turn impacted by technology. Today, our guest is Neil Paul a solutions engineer with Parsley. Parsley is a content analytics platform and part of Automatic. Neil, thank you so much for coming on, being with us today and talking about content analytics. Tell us about yourself. You know, how did you get here? What's your story? Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, always happy to talk content analytics. And so, you know, I started with a publishing background. I was at like a B2B uh, financial journalism pub. And that's where I first got exposed to Parsley. We used it in our newsroom. And then I later moved on to a product management focused role on like a news front end. And I installed Parsley Analytics there. And so that kind of brought me full circle. And now I'm at Parsley talking about content analytics day in and day out with both our current client base and prospective users. Awesome. So from that, then, obviously, a lot of experience kind of using Parsley as a product from your time time in those newsrooms. But for someone who doesn't know, what what is Parsley? Sure. Yeah. Parsley is a web-based content analytics platform. And content analytics and web analytics, the difference can be, you know, fairly nuanced, right? If you're not living yeah. and, and breathing it every day. And so content analytics really is both the measurement and analysis of engagement with your published content. And so that could be blogs, it could be articles, it could be videos, it could be whatever written or spoken digital assets that you're using to reach an audience. And anal content analytics, you know, it, it includes some of those common, you know, web analytics metrics like page views or visitation, but it also goes deeper and is more targeted to understand how your visitors are in interacting with that content. So that could be things like engaged time actually spent reading the content. You know, how is it being adopted on other referral channels, social networks, and what are people doing, you know, with your content in terms of like interacting with infographics or something like that. And so it's really about being able to overlay aspects of the content, you know, like the subjects, like the word count, like your published date, among other metadata associated with the content and tying that to more content specific engagement metrics to see, you know, how your audience is behaving. Okay, great. So I think then a lot of our audience and most people I assume like their kind of first port of call with analytics is probably Google Analytics. Right. As tumultuous as that is today with the transition between Universal Analytics and Google Analytics 4. But so Google Analytics is a general purpose analytics platform where you can kind of collect data on anything and everything where a content analytics platform to make that distinction is very much more like here's how the specific content is performing. And you can probably get some of those same insights from Google Analytics, but it's just an easier process or it's a tool designed specifically for that job where Google Analytics is a bit of, there's a bit of stuff for like the technical team who are like interested in what are the device resolutions and for the business team that are like how many events are going through this funnel where the content team is more like this specific piece of content, how, how is it doing on the site? We made this change to the title we A-B tested the headline and this one is that kind of 
how you want to split split this up. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I kind of liken it when we talk about Google Analytics mm-hmm. specifically in the, in the broad appeal there. You know, Google Analytics is like the Swiss Army knife, right? There's a sure. ton of different tools in the toolkit there. And where when we talk about content and we're content creators, you know, Parsley and other content analytics tools are, are the scalpel. So you're not going to go into surgery with a Swiss Army knife, right? And that's that's how I, I kind of take that approach. Okay. So it's just, it's... Uh process by which you are able to get to the insights that matter to you very much quicker you are suffering maybe you'd have to go into google analytics and set up specific reports to get it into being a content analytics system it's just here it is and this works and this is a product where we're iterating on and kind of making better all the time that does that make is that about it right right i think so and then you know, specifically for Parsley, because we're part of Automatic, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a WordPress shop and the founder of WordPress is, is the ultimate owner there. You know, it also has closer ties to your CMS, right? Yeah. And so when you want to use analytics to inform things like content creation, content channels, and be directly tied where someone is actually putting in content and making the content, content analytics has closer ties to that as well. It's really geared toward creating content. Okay, awesome. So it sounds then like Parsley in this kind of content analytics world, you could do a lot of it within general purpose analytics platforms, but the the precision given by having a scalpel, which is like actually I really like that way of putting it, like a really precise tool for the job. You the value there is kind of getting to that return quicker and understanding right. that and that better. So for someone then who content analytics is maybe a new field versus just general purpose analytics where what's the starting point like what are the general things that they want to be looking for that maybe they haven't thought about that they could start measuring to start tweaking that they could see value in in their business if that makes sense yeah yeah so you know i think when you're we're starting to walk crawl and run with content analytics you know the first thing i think is really having a tool that can measure some of those things, whether you invest a lot of time in Google Analytics and really try to hone that for your content and have things like your metadata associated with your content, or whether that's you invest in a content-specific tool and really start to run and make business impacts quicker. Um, you know, obviously ha- being able to start to measure that in some way, right? And have mm-hmm. and, and set your KPIs, you know, the metrics that you care about. And so, you know, that could be something like, engage time. So how often are people actually reading the content? That could be something like recirculation rate, how people are moving people through the session. So when I read one article, where do I go next? Do I read another article or do I just close the tab? Pick your metrics that look at loyalty, that look at engagement, you know, that that look at what your audience is doing, you know, on whatever platform you care about, whether that's social or driving people from search, whatever. Pick your pick your metrics. So you have a tool you have your metrics and then use that tool to determine a baseline. And that says like, on average, this is what our audience does. And that way you can start to think about success. And we have that baseline and now come with a hypothesis, right? Say when I do X, this is going to change my audience's engagement, loyalty, reach, whatever for the better. And then, you know, start to, Test those hypotheses, measure that against the baseline, and use those results to inform your content creation. And so that sounds really 
complex when I break down those steps in a, in a small way, but it's really about, you know, starting to think about what your audience is doing with data, you know, test the hypotheses against that baseline and then start to impact change. And content analytics allows you to do that quicker and test it more, you know, thoroughly rather than, you know, some generic tool. Okay. So is this kind of along the lines of you, your hypothesis of like, if we rework our headlines from, you know, this day forward to be 20% shorter than we would have otherwise been, is that going to have a measurable impact in click through it from social media or whatever, whatever source into the article? And then conversely, if, if we up that click through it, does that then mean that traffic is less targeted? So that has maybe increased the bounce rate. So it's finding there's like little changes that you were making that have one positive impact, but also possibly have two or three negative impacts exactly. that could cascade down. Because I could see a world where like, great, we've got shortened these headlines. As an example, I don't know if that's a relevant or useful test. It's just kind of came, came to mind. I've been writing tweets this morning. I've been trying to get them down to like reasonable lengths. That's probably why it's there. So you're getting, you're making this change. It's improved one metric, but then knock on of that is maybe that that audience is less engaged. So there's less follow through. So it's kind of trying to find those, those things and where, where the balances are. Is that about? Exactly. It's really nuanced. And, you know, we could use the headline example or we could use the example of of word count, right? So, you know, I think there's a trend in in digital media, right? Where there's so much content, there's a 24 hour news cycle, you know, you need to be snappy. It needs to be digestible. But, you know, there was something in, in, in my past experience in the newsroom where we started to look at length of content, right? We had some really long form content and we put a blanket word count and said, okay, everything needs to be fewer than 500 words that we're putting out just because people aren't driving attention. And we saw some of our more analytical, longer form content, you know, that just dropped like a rock. Yeah. And so we started to create some nuance and say, okay, for this subject, let's expand that length. And let's try a thousand. Let's double it. Let's try a thousand words. And, you know, we were getting better engagement. And then we said, okay, what happens if we crank it down a couple hundred words to 800 words? And then we found that we got the best engage time with that 800 word piece. So we really started to slide our factors and then apply some more filter parameters around subject, right? To right size the content. So certain pieces did well really short word count certain pieces did better on a longer word count and so blanket rules don't necessarily always work for our audience right we need to have that nuance we need to have that understanding we need to get specific about our content because content works in an ecosystem right there's certain things that do well in certain areas and we need to have the specificity to meet our audience on the places that they prefer with the content that they prefer absolutely okay yeah so that's a really interesting piece to knock on from that then so then who and i imagine this like varies kind of in newsroom per provider but who is who is this for is it for the writers that are like trying to you know craft stories and craft get their point across in such a way that to be like looking through okay well this kind of thing works really well or for our audience here are you know x y and z rules or is it for the editors that are like looking across that, you know, yeah. that, that stand for that whole group of people they're looking after who, who generally is, is this for who generally is getting the value from, from this kind of tool? 
Right. Yeah. Great question. I, I'm a data nerd. So sure. I, be- I believe in democratizing data, right? I think mm-hmm. everyone, no matter their role, either as, you know, a beat writer, an editor, a news desk manager, you know, that, you know, encompasses the whole thing or, or your executive editor. I think your content analytics is available and valuable to each person, each yeah. role, but what you choose and your scope of observed metrics differs, right? And so if I'm the executive editor, maybe I care top line on numbers of, of our content engagement as a whole, right? You know, how is the entire health of the system working? How is that impacting our revenues, right? But if I'm a beat writer, you know, I'm more potentially more focused on improving my individual content, growing Mm -hmm. my engagement on the channels that I interact with Mm -hmm. and really creating the best content that I could create. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of content analytics systems is that they're targeted and that, you know, Parsley specifically is made for every role and it's made to be easy to navigate. And so Mm -hmm. I don't need to export things to a spreadsheet and create some manual calculations. I don't need to, you know, bury multiple reports and tie them together in a way that takes hours. You know, it's meant to be approachable and it's meant to be responsive. So our whole point of existing is to give you the understanding of your audience, but to give it to you quickly so you can create the best content so you can engage more effectively and you can spend more time doing content than looking at analytics, right? I think it's easy to get caught up in the numbers and and kind of forget that really content analytics is your readership telling you what they want. You know, they're not filling out a survey anymore. You know, they're just telling you their preferences as they go through your, you know, digital assets and you need to listen and you need to have the tools to listen to them. Yeah. I wonder if, so when it comes to things like this, I always get a little like the data is one thing. The data is telling us one thing. But is that the right thing for us going forward? I mean, like we've spent a bit of time looking at personalization recommendation engines recently for a, a reason, and you know, you give it a lot of content, it spits back the options, and that it thinks this user will pick, and you tell it which of those it picked, and you give it like a yeah, you got it right, or no, you didn't get it right, kind of thing. So it learns to like do whatever it is it's going to do. But is that I worry about like things like this DM being so data-driven, removing the art from it and removing the editor's feel and removing yeah. removing that sense of like, this is the right thing to do versus, well, actually, this is what the data is telling us. So where does, where does it sit kind of in that? Like how closely should someone like adhere to the data? And like, I know there are orgs out there that like, just data says this, just do this. The data is always right. And others that are like, the data can get sacked, I'm doing this. You know, I'm not sure there's actually a question in there more about like ramble. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's an interesting topic. And I think in, in, in my field, there's <laughs> people when they're talking about making decisions with data, will say data driven, or they'll also say data informed, right? Sure. Two very, very similar mm-hmm. you know, topics and like kind of use of language, but a little bit different. And I think data informed really applies more to our world. Because one, with content analytics, right, that's trying to tie together so many disparate pieces and your content is out there and, and in a lot of different places, right? And there's always going to be 
blind spots. We try to give you the most complete view, but there's always that role for your own editorial judgment. And so mm-hmm. if I'm curating, you know, a daily, a weekly, a monthly newsletter, right? You know, I can look at our content and see what's being engaged with most around the topics that my newsletter is following. But there's always that curation element that I have as an editor. And, you know, maybe I pull three or four things that seem to be, you know, engaged with really well, but I know that we just broke a new story and, you know, it necessarily hasn't been picked up yet. I want to put that in the top option and always room. And I think you should practice this to, to make yeah. those editorial decisions. And then you can look back at the data and see if that judgment call was correct. Right. And so it can reinforce that behavior and give you a stronger a sense of curation and curation for your audience. So I think it reinforces yeah. that decision making. Yeah. I like that distinction data informed over data driven. I think that's like a really great way of looking at it actually. But then the other thing with them is, and maybe this is more of a, a parsley specific question, but you, know, you talk about having kind of like a comprehensive view of kind of your content everywhere it is, is are these platforms and parts in particular able to kind of pull that information from you know, other places? I know Google analytics, for example, cause it's the one I know most, you have to have like installed your profile and like kind of given it all the tags and stuff to be like, get this information from here. But when we come to things like social media, like is Parsley kind of able to reach in and say like your engagement with this tweet is, you know, higher or lower than average X, Y, and Z, or, you know, other platforms such as YouTube pulling in things from you know, podcasts and, and stuff like that anywhere else that content exists, or is it very much a on owned property kind of tool? Yeah. And that's one of the distinctions from like a, a GA and more specific mm-hmm. content analytics tools. There are tendrils into, mm-hmm. into other places, right? And so we can look to understand when I create a post on a, on a social network, you know, we hook into some of their APIs, right? And so I can say, if I post on Facebook, for example, you know, I'm getting this many comments, likes on, on that post. And so we can actually tie some of that social engagement together. And it, right. it varies on social network, yeah. right? Some of those properties are more, you know, uh, conservative in, in what they share, right? With, with mm-hmm. other, you know, places, some, some are not, right? But then other things like understanding how people are interacting with web applications or aggregators, right? So like, you know, instant, you know, Apple news, that sort of thing. You know, we also hook content analytics can also hook into that partially specifically and give you a little bit broader of a purview than just your owned and operated domain because your content's out there, right? And so you want much of a complete picture as possible in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. Because it always strikes me as being incredibly overwhelming to have, you know, your content, you know, how your content is performing on the site, how your content is performing in five, six, seven other, you know, social media platforms, how it's performing in your email provider, assuming it's kind of gone out as part of a newsletter. And I suppose a, a good quality one of analytics, you know, content analytics tool is going to be able to pull that all together and kind of show insight across across those different channels as much as possible. Exactly. And, you know, awesome. it's, it's about giving you that understanding of your audience. Some people in your audience might, you know, visit your owned and operated network very rarely. Some people might skim a headline, right? And so there's some ways that we can look to bring more of a complete 
uh, picture together for you so you can make the best decisions about what your audience yeah. is doing. Because like you mentioned at the, the start, you know, there's, there's unintended consequences, there's knock on effects. And so you need to, you need to think carefully about, you know, how you want to change your content to meet your audience. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. It's a really interesting one. I think like that knock on effects is like, is kind of where I get like derailed when thinking about these things. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, we did this and it changed that. But I don't know, have enough data set up to be like looking for the right metrics to see if if that had those knock on impacts. And that's where I personally like blown off these things of like it's too complicated. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. But so we've we've looked a little bit at like what content analytics are and you know how someone would get get started kind of establishing that baseline and then starting to run run some experiments. And you know, the kind of good example there that you came up with was length of the content piece and so specifically with something like length of content because is it then dwell time that you're like using as a metric for that or how often likely they are to click into another another article because there's no way the user would know how long the piece was from where they were clicking through from does that make sense yeah yeah cool and that's really what we're using and what i like about parsley specifically is is we have what's called an engage time metric and so Uh, engage time right yeah, and and I think this is really the gold standard for content because it it you need to interact, you need to read content or watch the video, you need to spend time <laughs> interacting with that piece to to really garner that information or be impacted by it, right? And so something like scroll depth or something like just you know a, a view isn't really a, a great judge for that, right? Yeah. Scroll depth. You know, I don't know how you kind of approach reading news articles, but when I first get to an article, I'm like, okay, how much time is this going to take me? So I scroll down to the bottom, scroll up to the top really quickly. And so if I'm using scroll depth as my metric, it looks like I hit the bottom of the article, but really I was just checking the link. And then a, a page view is just a page view, right? I click on something, I leave it open in a browser tab. Maybe I come to it, maybe I don't. And so with engage time, you know, it, we actually have a heartbeat pixel that fires for activity on the page. So that could be scrolling, that could be moving your mouse, that could be interacting with an infographic. Yep. And that keeps the clock running. And so an engage time piece for Parsley might be a fifth, a third of your time that you see in universal analytics, mm-hmm. but it's time that the user actually spent reading or interacting right. with the content. So I think it's more valuable. Okay, because that that time from Universal Analytics is either until the session expires, or they've left the page and it like kind of like right. exit event fires. And so you can set, a way of yeah, yeah you can set like just, a maximum session time and, and pieces like yeah. that in Universal Analytics, so you can tweak that a little bit. But it's not okay. it doesn't really get that interactivity because it's yeah. the clock starts, the clock stops, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean, those are. That's really interesting. And I imagine then that's really easy with like a video that's kind of playing on a page because you've got kind of start and end events and things that are all all firing. But that kind of content, textual content, like reading, like it's good to, so is that then able to tell, say like that I've left this open in a tab, but in a browser window, that's just not my main focus. Like, like I've got a text editor open here. It's on top of my page, top stack of my browser, but the window I'm talking to you in is second. So like, how would it impact with, Obviously, things aren't perfect. Like that's a real sure. weird edge case. But, okay. Oh no, that's actually fairly common, and, and we 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 make that distinction. And so, if yeah. it's not your active browser tab, that that heartbeat pixel isn't running. Uh, okay, cool. That's good to know. That's really interesting. So then, there's a lot 
there's a lot here. So we're looking at engagement time as kind of the primary metric that is like useful to sort of measure and kind of see what people are doing within within your content. And then I suppose the game then after that is what do we do to, to improve improving engage time? Are there any more kind of like experiments that you you see work well for people just getting started with this kind of thing? You know, obviously you mentioned the total length of that article as a good one. But what what are other common things that people people try in the space? Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is around testing how impacts of your content are drive engage time. But then there's mm-hmm. also the piece of recirculation rate and being able to think about how the structure of my content impacts people following the next story, the next move, right? right? And so that journey could be through how we structure our homepage, right? So, you know, a lot of content analytics systems, personally included, have like a, an overlay that allows you to track slot tracking. So if I have something in the first slot, how does that compare to a piece of content in the fifth? What happens when I move content from the fifth? to the, And how does that, you know, how is that performed compared to everything else that was in that? slot right so we talk about how we structure a page how we link content together within the body of the article checking those the the activity you know after they view one post how do we turn one you know full per session into two three articles Uh right that's a lot uh, a lot of the the testing that people do but then there's also the conversion element right yes and so if i'm looking to drive loyalty through like a newsletter or you know just really looking to drive paid subscriptions right and maybe i'm instituting a paywall and a metered Mm -hmm. paywall how do we how can we get people to really like sign up with their email or you know pay its money right Um, we have the ability to track those things and you know, we can see through like a multi-touch or a multi-session model, like how, if I feed them certain pieces of content, does that get them to sign up for a newsletter? Does that get them to become a paid subscriber? What content is working? What content is really driving prospective people okay. to to our platform? Right. Okay. That's really interesting. So then there's a whole element there. So when I hear that, I like my head immediately goes, okay, so there's like an element here of driving personalization of like this mm-hmm. kind of person when exposed to content types a b and c in slots one four six and eight on this page are more likely to to sign up or is that too much too much depth to really be a useful thing to look at i suppose that depends on how big the organization is and how much data they can achieve both in right. click-throughs and their audience it depends on yeah. your audience it depends on your size i think that is probably on the further end of the spectrum in terms of yes. specificity right but you know, if we dial that back a little bit, it could be, hey, we curate these five articles in a, in a most read or in a topical widget. And these five are the ones that have the highest conversion rate to our newsletter subscription, right? And so we can dial that back a little bit to make it a little bit more general and really test, do these things work together? Or, you know, we have a really, you know, popular article and we wrote about a similar topic two years ago, you know, let's give them that historical primer in, in the lead or in the, the second paragraph. And let's see mm-hmm. if they actually click through that. And we revive, you know, this piece of content that we created a couple of years ago. And yeah. it's providing value and context to the reader. 
but also, you know, giving us a little bit more return on a, on a piece of content that we could in the past. Cool. That's awesome. So maybe more parsley specific then, but so that element of like that curation piece, like traditionally that would be done inside the content management system and you're building out, you know, the, the flow of that homepage, someone is picking kind of what is going into those, those articles is given Parsley's relationship with a large content management system, you know, BS company, is that, is, is that able to work the other way? Are you kind of able to put in place UI within Parsley that does that curation? Oh, really? Nodding along. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You won't use the dashboard to drive that curation, but we mm-hmm. actually have, you know, tools an API that can power mm-hmm. your front end design. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be general, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, neil.com today, we read these five articles and we're going to put them in a most read widget. And we just grab five, the five most popular widgets of the time period we select. Or it could be, you know, really specific. Stuart read these five articles on neil.com and we want to give him five more like this. And so, we can run the gamut in terms of personalization and you as the the editor can tweak that model or, you know, if you're on the product team or, or wherever, you can decide the parameters, but we can then fill that container with data, you know, derived from your audience, right? And the whole point of that is to give people things that they're interested in, curate that content. But then another really important point, point that you had gone back to is we also allow you to like break out of that and curate some things on your own, right? You don't <laughs> necessarily want to do everything programmatically. There's still room for, you know, our editorial judgment, but we can give yeah. you some of the tools to curate sections or parts of your platform. Awesome. Um, so then you know, we're, we're talking kind of like, in that kind of like, oh, this person did X, Y, and Z. And that brings me to the inevitable questions around privacy and cookies and stuff. And, you know, in the UK, in Europe, so there's huge like data protection laws and stuff like that and i know I believe you're in california no you're not you're the other side but company you work for is based out of california so there's That's huge right. like huge data protection laws kind of coming in california as well how gdpr had like a big impact on marketers particularly ability to like target and focus on their audience is there the same was there the same impact in content analytics and how important is knowing about the user to content analytics or is it able to be done well in a privacy respecting way yeah i think you know privacy is top of everyone's mind Mm -hmm. and i think the curation can be done in a Mm -hmm. good way while respecting privacy especially you know if you think about your audience critically right if we have certain topics or certain sections, you know, we can curate content that we think is good or interesting just based off anonymized metrics, right? Sure. Just understanding things like, you know, content that has good engage time or content that drives a high recirculation rate. We don't necessarily need to know everything about a reader to promote that content, right? Now, as we move forward and really want to put a sharp edge on like a personalized recommender, you know, obviously knowing the, uh, an individual reader's habits is, is how you get that personalization. And we can still respect privacy and not do something invasive. And I think, you know, as a publisher, a lot of that's around like 
getting the reader to offer up that information to us, right? To give them their email for a newsletter, to, to register, right? And become a known person to us so we can then improve your reading experience. And so I, I personally believe, and, and maybe, you know, my view is, is, is kind of my perspective is a little biased, but I think, you know, where people have problems with privacy is really, you know, having it be invasive, right? Yeah. I don't want somebody to automatically send something to my email. I don't want to be kind of captured in this dragnet. But if I give someone some of my information, personalization is a good thing. Right. Sometimes it can be a bad thing when we get too much of an echo chamber, but a little bit of personalization is good. And so when I go to a site that I read all the time, you know, I want to have articles that I'm going to be interested in because there's going to be some content that I'm not. Right. And so I want to give, you know, that organization the opportunity to, to meet me with what I'm looking for. And so I think having that distinction and and really getting some information that's offered up by the user and then personalizing on that is, is really, you know, what we were talking about. Absolutely. I think that's like in a way spot on. Cause that user has like, you know, not just opted in, but offered up and made themselves known to the organization of like, I'm this person I have opted in to your personalization. I have an account like here is my data rather than the very aggressive, well, you viewed this one article, we got you. it falls into this bucket. Now everything you see will be, will be this. And now yeah. I think that really sets a high bar for us and and, mm-hmm. and makes content analytics that more important, right? Because it's up to us to help encourage that person to become known, right? To give yeah. us that email to register. You know, that's a higher bar than where it was, a, a, you know, when we first started to, to digitize content. You could have cookies that would track across, you know, multiple platforms and third-party cookies, right? And so I think that makes content analytics even more important and it makes us as, as content creators really set the bar in terms of in getting someone to do something. And I, I like this. One of my, my old editors would say, you know, your job isn't done when you press publish. It's when you get people to actually read it. And that's where, you know, content analytics can come in and say, are people reading this? Do I need to make changes in the moment? Do I need to think about how I create future content to get better engagement? Yeah, absolutely. We've just recorded an episode with Brian Alvey, who very much is on, and I'm not sure if it's going to come out before or after this one. So if you're listening, maybe you've already heard it, or maybe it's the next one. And if you if you don't know who Brian Alvey is, he's was very important kind of in the start of kind of digital media, you know, kind of was like a key player in weblogs inc and getting kind of like modern blogging and what became modern media up and out and his tech is very much the same as like just get something published and then you can get feedback like launch something get something out and then you can get feedback and then you can make it better and you can improve it and you can work on like using it to push to the next thing so it's very much like the two things feel very aligned of like you're not going to know how this is going to perform until you get it out and you need specialist analytics in some cases to work out like is this working or how do we change it to to make it work that all signed signed about right yeah unsurprisingly brian and i are are in lockstep there and i think that applies you know to to content quite heavily right it's a you know make your best judgments you know create quality content but don't 
trying to tighten down every single screw and have something that's, you know, honed perfectly because you're not going to be able to to do that. You need to have things out there. You need to let your audience start to tell you things. And, And I think personally, like, you know, locking something down and focusing on something. So putting it out and it's prohibitive and getting the right feedback and matching to what your audience thinks, right? Like your audience's preferences and your idea of an audience's preferences, they don't always align. Let them yeah. tell you, right? They're trying yeah, yeah. to tell you what they want. Absolutely. That's awesome. And then, you know, I know we're kind of getting towards time, so I'm kind of like rushing this me a little bit, but we've talked a lot about how this is so useful for, you know, editors, writers, getting the right content, working on engagement, building the audience, everything like that for the business side of, of a publisher. So, you know, traditionally, again, Google Analytics, for some stuff, then you know, whatever their particular platforms they use for monetization will have some insights, and that's probably all pushed up, depending on how sophisticated the organization is into you know some kind of business intelligence platform. But that feels like overkill. So, is you know content analytics for for that upper management for the, the commercial side? You know, I imagine there are uses uses there too that you see. Yeah, and I think that's where the conversion element comes in right and being able to tie content to the conversion right so you know maybe in the past we've had the capability to to know just like our subscriber numbers and we've got like a last touch conversion model which says okay people sign up on the subscription page you know what we can do with content analytics is we can start to hone in on the exact pieces of content that work together to drive that conversion or you know aspects of those pieces so like the subjects and so really it's about giving credit to the content pieces and then allow you to strategically make decisions based off of aspects of that and so if i'm an executive editor right and we're deciding what our coverage areas are you know if i take a look at where our conversions are going from newsletter subscriptions from subscriber numbers you know maybe i change our you know, our, our focus in some of those coverage areas, maybe I right size certain places that we've underinvested because it actually has a higher conversion rate for subscribers. Right. And so mm-hmm. allowing leadership to competently make decisions around, you know, scope of coverage, type of content, you know, look and feel broad voice, you know, things that, you know, leadership typically pushes down, you know, I think is really important. That all sounds fantastic. So then, you know, just, New work coming to the end of our time, just to kind of like summarize for, for our listeners. So I suppose content analytics, distinct from you know, universal analytics, general analytics, whatever, in that they are very much like, here is the specific things around your content. Like, how is it performing? What is the engage time? You know, what is the recirculation and retention? How many people are coming back leading onto this and this? And that's, you know, to enable publishers, writers, content production team to do better work to better communicate and better engage with their audiences it's not strictly about finance but doing that work well will lead to financial rewards and incentives from the business side it's more about like this content led to this conversion through a funnel and getting away from a single touch like they were on this page then they subscribed it's more they were on this page and then this page and they've generally read this a lot of stuff and we're seeing a trend on this so we know we need to focus on on that sort of side to then you know, push push the business forward and if someone's looking to get started i imagine they can do most things in google analytics if they're trying to get going but you know 
working out what metrics you want to track, setting your baseline, and then what are the experiments you're going to run to, to move those metrics that you care about. And then as your organization improves and gets better and more sophisticated, spend less time on it and get a tool that does this specifically and does it well. Like you say, you wouldn't do surgery with a pen knife or a Swiss army knife. You're going to come in with a scalpel and you would be very upset at a surgeon that, that tried it otherwise. So that sounds like a good summary of where, of content analytics and where we're at with it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, you said everything. I'm just parroting it back to you. Thank you so much for your time, Neil. Where can people find out more about you if they want to connect or Parsley or, or Content Analytics if there's anywhere you want to point people to? Yeah, if people are interested in learning more about content analytics, you know, specifically Parsley, parse.ly is our website. We've got great resources and blogs where you can learn more and, and start to dip your toe in. And then you can also check out the, the Parsley LinkedIn, which is parse.ly. So check those things out. Nice. I always get it wrong. I always put in parsley the herb and they're spelled very slightly different. I'm like, oh, I need, I need like an automatic redirect somehow. So I in my browser. Anyway, thanks again so much. Thank you for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, please make sure and leave a review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you happen to pick up the podcast. If you know anyone that you think would value from this episode, please share it. We would love to, to have it and let us know what you, you think in the comments on Twitter, wherever you're on socially, try and find us and let us know. And we will hopefully speak to you again in two weeks. Thank you very much. Goodbye.